You're listening to Behind the Impact, the podcast that looks at how the most philanthropic companies on the planet are making impact as told by the very changemakers that make it happen. Hello and welcome to episode number 15 of Behind the Impact. I'm your host, Jeremy Brown, and in this episode, Kat Owsley, the president of the Bosch Community Fund, joins me to talk about how she got her start in social impact and how she's gone about building the fund over the last 10 years. Now, if you've never heard of Bosch, it's a global company that has its hands in a whole bunch of things, from technology to household appliances. Chances are you have one of their products and you don't even realize it. In addition, the company has philanthropy at its roots, which Kat and I dig into. There's a lot to learn in this episode, so sit back and enjoy. With that, let's get into the show. Kat, welcome to Behind the Impact. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. I'm glad to be here. I am very excited to learn more about your background and learn more about Bosch and all the things that the company is doing. I know the company's been around for quite some time, has lots of employees, so I'm very excited to dig into what the company is doing on the impact front. But before we do that, what I would like to do is go back in time and learn more about your background and how you got into social impact. Sure, yeah. So um, I have a very kind of diverse background as it relates to coming coming to the point where I am today in my career. But I started out um, getting an internship when I was in college. We were, um, well, even before that, I should say, I, I had um, a situation with my um, family where my parents asked that I would stay close to home. My sister wasn't, wasn't well. And so um, I needed to make a choice to be close to the family. And so I picked a college that was in Michigan. I didn't intend to be in Michigan at all. Um, but so that was, that was how I chose where I was going to be. And this particular program that I, um, that I took, we were on quarters. And so you, um, you could be in school in the summertime, but you could be off in the wintertime. And it was really great for us because you were required to do an internship, a foreign study experience, and then a senior project. And so we had the benefit of not competing with most other students because we were off quarters, right? So I was getting a job in, um, you know, in Chicago in the springtime when everybody else was still in school or I'm in the wintertime, et cetera. So my first experience was in um, Chicago getting um, out of Michigan and working for the American Medical Association in data, um, survey research and data analysis. Um, and so that was great. So I just happened to fall into nonprofit just because this company was looking for somebody who had econ as their major. I was interested in moving into, you know, a different state for a quarter. Um, and, it, and I really, really enjoyed it. And then flashed forward to my senior year. And same thing again, because I was an econ major. Um, one of our alums um, hired me for the French government tourist office, French Alps Commission. And that was again, another survey research, um, data analysis, and then also just project management type position. But it got me to New York City and it got me back in nonprofit again, just kind of by chance. And, you know, um, we were sort of talking about it in preparation to talk with you today about how we weren't really calling it social impact, but it's sort of what we were doing um, without realizing that it was a thing then probably. And, um, and then I kind of dabbled. I, um, I went back to the American Medical Association for a while and I realized like I wasn't an eight to five or I wasn't ready. I felt like I was probably, I'm probably a late bloomer to be honest. And so I thought, I can't, I can't do this. I gotta, I gotta go. I gotta like explore. So I went backpacking in Ireland and I really enjoyed 
being on my own, relying on myself, only having what I had in my pack to rely on. And um, so I came back to Michigan and took a class at U of M um, in Irish studies. And I temped, I did a ton of temping. And I was actually just talking about this with a guy that is just a grad, recent graduate out of college and saying, you know, I, I haven't talked about this in a long time, but temping was a really great opportunity for me just because I could try on a lot of different companies, be in a lot of different places. They could try me on for size. So I was able to live in San Francisco by temping. I was able to live in Florida by temping. Um, I did everything from automotive, manufacturing, um, banking, all clerical, but just got a chance to kind of try on all these types of things. Um, and then I went back and did my graduate work in Belfast in Irish studies. And um, my thesis had to do with um, how in the 19th century publications were really trying to drive um, this idea that the Irish were this um, um, kind of inferior race to like Anglo-Saxons. And, um, and so I was really very engaged in sort of like research and um, this idea of kind of social justice. But once again, I came back to the United States and I kind of got sucked back into that nonprofit world and ultimately ended up at the Detroit Regional Chamber for eight years, doing a lot around community outreach and um, developing relationships with not only um, people in the Detroit area, but upstate as well. And then one thing led to another, and I was running a nonprofit in the city of Detroit. From there, I went on to the Kresge Foundation and was working on the Detroit program there and the National Community Program. Um, and from there, I got recruited to come to Bosch. And the funny part about it, Jeremy, was that when I was temping all those times, um, one of the places I temped was Bosch. And so I knew the culture. I knew that it was held by a foundation, that it was um, a private company, but not publicly traded. And I knew that it was unique. And so it was very, very interesting to be approached about the position. Um, and, and that's where I've been for the past 10 years. So. so you have quite the extensive history in the nonprofit sector. <laughs> and I'm curious, so, so you got recruited by Bosch, but when did that switch and your head flip to where you're like, okay, I have all this experience in the nonprofit sector, but getting to the corporate sector is really interesting. I never thought I would be in the corporate sector, frankly. I had had, had a conversation. I was really loving what I was doing at Kresge and I was loving the Detroit work. And I ran into somebody at a, at a dinner party that um, was recruiting for the position and she knew me. And she's like, Kat, I think you should look at this Robert Bosch job. And I said, well, I don't, I don't think corporate philanthropy is for me. I don't think I can see myself in a corporation. She's like, I, I really think it's it's supposed to be you. And and I kept kind of having a coffee and saying, oh, yeah, 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 that sounds great. And then the hiring manager and I sat down. He's like, I really do believe it's you. And I love that you have this Detroit experience. That's going to be important since our corporate headquarters for North America are in the Detroit area. And you know it. I mean, I'm from the city. And, um, and then he said, you can build it. You know, this isn't a very old, stable, strong company, but you're building something new within it. And that really intrigued me. And that was the day that I was like, maybe I am supposed to do this because I love to build things. But I had this, you know, stability of this really strong company behind me that, you know, that, you know, I, I had a minute to kind of plan things. It wasn't like I was really trying to have to, um, you know, go at a really rapid pace because this was a brand new startup and I only had X number of dollars. So it was a really beautiful, unique experience in that, I had that opportunity because it doesn't come along very often. And I don't know that I could see myself doing it for any other corporation, to be honest. Now, before we get into Bosch, 
there's inevitably going to be a number of people that listen to this episode that are in the nonprofit sector and they want to make that same transition to the corporate space. When you think mm -hmm. back on your time in the nonprofit sector, what are some of those transferable skills that you feel are ideal for an individual uh, to work in social impact in the corporate sector? So I think having been on that side of the dollars, right? So having been a grant seeker, having been in the nonprofit sector is very strong. And if, it, if I were giving someone advice, I would say that is probably what you would want to be able to show. Like that's going to be what you bring into a company that they might not be able to home grow within the company itself, right? And now I know that in a lot of situations, a corporation will probably bring somebody from within, Um but as I was mentioning to you, listening to your past, you know, one of your past episodes, one of your guests, they were coming from without as well. And I think that's really strong for a company to kind of be able to pull somebody from that sector because we have that experience of what it's like for the nonprofit sector, seeking grants, applying for grants. We understand that kind of that, that side of the coin, if you will. Um, so I think building that case is strong. I also think because they're hard to come by, um, really having a very strong idea of where you would like to be doing this at. Like it's not just you're trying your luck with any corporation that might have something, but you really feel strongly about that particular company. Like their ethos connects with what you are looking to do. You know about them. You could really see yourself there because I think that shows and that shines through when you're, when you're interviewing for that type of position. I think those would be my two big things that I would recommend. Got it. Now let's get into Bosch. Can you give me a quick summary of what the company does? It's almost like what don't we do? <laughs> so we are in a lot of different places. I, I would say that when I was the secretary back in the late 90s, I would have seen us as a manufacturing company. Um, but today I'd say we are manufacturing, we are engineering, and we're an internet of things company. So you might know us from household appliances. We're Gaganau, Thermador, and Bosch. We're power tools. We're hydraulics and pneumonics and we're one of the top if not sometimes the top um, tier one automotive supplier um, but we're probably and and everybody that walks around on the street we're probably have something of Bosch you know either in their phone in their car or both um, so we're very diverse and uh, kind of across the board as it relates to not only products and um, and services but um connecting things to, you know, making sure that these things are all connected, like internet of things. So we're really growing and, and evolving um, from where we started out as purely kind of manufacturing and engineering. From an impact perspective, what are some of the initiatives that the company is, is working on? And I know we'll get into the community funds in a second, but I want to learn a little bit more about just the the total um, efforts on the impact side that the company is involved with? Yeah, so I'd first say it's um, what makes us so interesting and unique is that we are held by a, a foundation, the Robert Bosch Foundation in Germany. So it's an interesting way that Robert Bosch set it up, but the company is held by the foundation and then the company gives money to the foundation annually to spend for its philanthropic efforts. So it's like we are really, the DNA of Bosch is really in philanthropy. Um, so that is not connected to what I do. And there are, I have peers around the world in India, China, Brazil, um, that, that do this on the corporate side, but we are held by this, you know, private foundation in Germany. And then on our, on our side in Robert Bosch, um, we approach this in two ways. And so I'm here with you today talking about the Bosch Community Fund, which is the corporate foundation for Bosch in North America. But I also have a sister um, department that I interface with that's doing corporate social responsibility. And so their world is a, around the volunteerism, 
around doing some of the corporate contributions that aren't kind of grant making, if you will. And then I have um, kind of the foundation piece and we can work hand in hand. We can work independently, but we are always kind of in touch and sort of walking that walk together. So that's really different. I'm not a ton of companies, I think, have that the way that we practice it. But um, that kind of gives you a little bit of a, a bird's eye view on how we sort of approach the corporate social responsibility piece. For the Bosch Community Fund, did you join specifically to start it or was it already in existence prior to you joining the company? Yeah, so um, actually it was um, a gentleman who um, had come from another um, um, original equipment manufacturer and OEM, um, came over from that company to Bosch and felt, and he was in government affairs and he felt really strongly that we needed a foundation. So there had been corporate contributions prior but he established the, like did all the paperwork and whatnot in 2011 and then brought me in in 2012. So I was the first executive director of the foundation. So it had already been determined that we would have a foundation and what our focus areas would be. And then when I came in, I had to take it from there. So it was established technically, but it wasn't operational until I came in. Got it. So you have seen quite a lot in 10 years and have seen this program grow. Let's dig into the community fund a little bit more. Can you tell me a little bit more about the fund and what it looks like from a structure perspective? Sure. So that was kind of the fun part is to, to kind of be on my own and sort of plan that all out. So like, as I said, the focus areas had already been determined to be STEM education, environmental conservation and sustainability. And then um, actually through our communications partner, we sort of developed this new term, which we call EcoSTEM. And it's the combination of the two. So really helping uh, people sort of find themselves in STEM by the environment and vice versa. And so we knew that that's, that's what we would be funding as far as the focus areas. The other thing that we felt really strongly about is that we wanted um, sort of to do, to, for the, the main mechanism for funding to come through local communities. And so currently we're in 39 Bosch site communities across Canada, the United States and Costa Rica. And annually we meet up with community stakeholders that can kind of give us a sense of, hey, wh where are your pain points? What's going on? Um, what is needed in your community and how can we be a partner in that work? Whether it's through connections or grant funding or, or, or whatever it looks like um, and respond to you as it relates to whether it's STEM, environment or eco-STEM. So um, that's where the bulk of the money, and we are a fairly modest foundation, but about 70 to 75% of the funding goes through each of those local communities. And they, the, the budget is based on how large our Bosch presence is in that community. And, then, um, and then, the, then the remainder of the money is either put aside for disaster response as applicable, um, or some of our major kind of like national type programs such as um, FIRST Robotics um, or um, uh, Society of Automotive Engineers, a World in Motion um, programs that are that kind of span more than just one particular community, and so um, we really do put a lot of effort. Like most of our time is spent communicating with those local site um, Bosch site personnel, and then the stakeholders in that community to, you know, just really drive not only. Um, making sound investments, but like I said, just having conversations with them on a regular basis at, at the very least annually, just to sort of hear what's happening in the community and how can we be helpful. And, and nine times out of 10, um, you know, people that are sitting at that table with us are going to apply for a grant. Um, but also I think they, they find that just being asked how things going, how can we be helpful 
is really appreciated. And then, then connecting with one another through the sort of Bosch vehicle, um, they really appreciate that. So that's really how we've sort of made our mark is, is this community um, engagement piece. And, um, and then, you know, I think because two out of uh, two of us on staff have been in that nonprofit sector, we're always thinking about everything from being transparent, being accessible, because we've been on that side before, and it can be very difficult to kind of access somebody in a foundation. Um, but even all the way down to like, what's the user experience of utilizing our grants platform? Is that easy? Um, we don't want people to feel like it's intimidating and that they would feel they're not able to apply for a grant from us because they're not a professional grant writer. So we're constantly doing this kind of CIP continuing improvement process around everything from when we meet, what it feels like to apply for a grant with us, how to respond to, um, you know, they were having to provide their annual report, all those things in between, um, just kind of constantly sort of looking at that and addressing anything that makes it easier. Um, and more efficient for not only us, but for our, our grant applicants as well. In terms of the team, is it a team of two or are there more individuals on the team? Just three of us. Three. So we, we all have a portfolio. So I have a portfolio, um, everybody's making grants, um, but then we all have a specialty. Like I'm sort of, you know, kind of the overseer of all the things relative to the board. Um, somebody else is looking at the communications piece and, and li being the liaison for that. And then we have a grants manager slash program officer as well. So we all wear different hats, um, but we all have, you know, a, a portfolio of grant uh, recipients that we have to manage. How are those portfolios divided between the three of you? <laughs> so... Um, sort of organically, to be honest. So we, every year we kind of get together and we look at uh, the year and we break them down, all the communities by, um, they get placed into, you know, one of four quarters. And then we even just sat down this year and said, you know, do we need to trade out a little bit? Do we need to freshen it up? You know, is someone sick of seeing cat? Would they like to see somebody else on the team? Um, what makes sense in terms of even thinking about um, like, if we're going to travel, how do we make the most of it? Like if we're going to have to be in North Carolina, maybe we tack on something in South Carolina. So it's almost this little bit of an organic thing, but also to be honest, Jeremy, it's like, I think we've gotten to the point too, where after 10 years, you get to know some of these people so well that you kind of stick with them. So like my Anderson, South Carolina group is, you know, I love them. I know them. I feel like it gets really personal and familial with not only my, uh, my Bosch, um, colleagues down in Anderson, but, but the people that we've been working with in the nonprofit sector and the school districts over the past 10 years, like you just really want to sort of stick with them. So kind of once we make these assignments, we kind of, we kind of do tend to stay with our, our site locations just because we know them so well. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll freshen it up sometimes or switch them around. And, and then as, as it relates to some of the national ones, most of the time, that's me, um, with the exception that somebody on my team is handling first robotics because that's a big one. So that's really her main thing that she's handling for us on our national grant side. So as a person that grew this program, um, as the executive director, there's going to be a number of people that listen to this podcast and they're going to be thinking, I want to create a foundation too. Um, and actually there's a number of, of up and coming startups that are creating foundations now, which is fantastic to see. What are some of the lessons that you've learned in growing the Bosch Community Fund? 
So what always comes right to my mind is, and I, cause you, as I told you, I started out in data. It's very exciting to be at the beginning of something and know that you can play, plan something and it can be right out of the gate can be kind of clean as it relates to your data. So that's one of the main things, like thinking about all your systems, I think is one of the big things that I always think about. If you are, you know, starting a new endeavor, you have this once in a lifetime opportunity to kind of get it right the first time. So being sort of thinking out ahead. One of the things that I'll always tell people is, you know, you were, we were kind of moving lots of parts all at the same time, but separately, right? So like developing strategy and tactics, thinking about systems, like how will people apply? Um, how will we make sure that we're ta- you know, thinking ahead on our data, thinking ahead on our evaluation? Like our board's going to ask us, did we do good work? And how do we know that we did good work? How are we going to measure that? So starting to really plan and think ahead, um, I think it's one of the, the big things as it relates to all the pieces that you know are a part of whether it's a nonprofit or in this instance, a foundation, is just making sure you have all those working pieces um, in place and you're planning ahead. Because then once things kind of get rolling, um, they start rolling fast. And then you think like, oh, had I, had I thought about that in retrospect, I might have planned that out better. Um, so those are all, you know, all things that I, I think could kind of kind of be thinking about ahead of time when you're, when you're starting out something like this. One thing I want to go back to is the grants that you were talking about. Now, I know in doing research for this episode that Bosch has given a lot of money to nonprofits. I think it's 36 million or over 36 million dollars since 2012, which is a lot of money. Out of curiosity, how do how does your team assess the nonprofits that are applying for a grant? So in a couple different ways. And so there is a certain amount of subjectivity to be frank, because when I am working with somebody, let's say at a site community in California, I'm not there. I'm from the Detroit area. So I'm relying on my Bosch colleagues to sort of determine what does it look like on the ground there as it relates to nonprofits and the school districts um, as it relates to STEM and environment. So there might be a certain amount of subjectivity in who they know and in their networks and who they pull. Having said that, once we kind of do convene, we do try to say like, hey, is there anybody that's missing from this table? Because it's not necessarily that you're going to ask to um, be given an invitation to apply once you're sitting at that community advisory committee table. And it's not a guarantee that you're going to get invited or get a grant. Um, but you're always welcome to come and have the kind of conversation um, you know, at, at the table, if you will. So. Um, and then as it relates to any other foundation, you know, there's a certain amount of, um, you know, looking at 990s, looking at the health of the organization, is this program going to be sustainable? Um, you know, how much in terms of the grant that they're asking for, if they only get a portion of the amount for the total project, will they be able to find the other funding? All those things that, you know, everybody else is asking in, in philanthropy. And then working with our trust company just to kind of vet to make sure everybody's in good financial standing with the IRS. But, you know, aside from that, it's really about building relationships. And to be honest, at this point, after 10 years, probably, I mean, I'm guessing at this, but I would say probably 75% of our grant recipients are probably repeat. Um, they're, you know, kind of coming back to the table and we're working with them kind of long term. So because we work with a lot of school districts um, in our communities. So they tend to be repeat grant recipients. 
Got it. So you mentioned the community advisory group. I don't know if that was the exact uh, verbiage that you used, um, but I'm curious to learn more about that in terms of how you create an, a community advisory group and, and how that aligns and connects with a community fund like the Bosch Community Fund. Yeah. So, um, you know, I can I can speak specifically for what here in Michigan where I'm personally doing it. I, you know, I'm sitting here, so I'm sort of the one that's um, kind of going out and looking around and saying, hey, who do we think we want to invite to this table? So, like, for example, here, I'm sitting here in Plymouth, Michigan, which is also where we have a fairly large Bosch um, site location. One of the things that we're trying to do here is we're saying, okay, although we're here in this direct neighborhood of Plymouth, how do we sort of like broaden out our geography so that we might be able to pull in some communities that might not have a corporate, um, you know, a corporate uh, citizen, if you will, like Bosch. So some of the some of the towns in Western Wayne County who don't have um, a ton of resources might be underserved, might not have a lot of corporate support. We're trying to pull them into this community advisory committee model just to say, hey, you know, you're not our direct, you know, our, our direct neighbor, if you will, but we think that we might be able to do some things that can, that can be helpful. So that will include, um, that will include nonprofits, that includes school districts, that includes um, programs where um, I'm actually going to see next week, uh, um, a woman, Pastor Jean Overman, who's doing a great project called Operation Refuge in Inkster, Michigan. These are, this is a, a district that doesn't have, um, or excuse me, a town that doesn't have a school district. So students are coming, you know, from school, from another town, back to home, and she's providing a safe space for not only STEM education, but project-based learning, et cetera. So we're looking for those types of things that might be um, kind of not in the direct neighborhood of Bosch, but like even expanding out a wee bit. And then, um, you know, just that kind of research around things like watersheds, tree canopies, um, all the things that make uh, a neighborhood safe and, um, you know, environmentally sound and then everything in between. So it runs the gamut from K through 12 school districts to community colleges to nonprofits that are focusing on education and environment. Okay. Last question for you, Kat. Yeah. So in the last 10 years, what has been the most impactful thing about the work that you've been doing? Something that, you, that gets you really excited? You know, for me, I feel like, and it's maybe cliche, but I just absolutely love making the connection to people. And it can be, like I said, there's been times when just watching people connect via the kind of this Bosch table that we set for them and realizing like, hey, I'm seeing an old friend or we might have an opportunity to kind of collaborate together that's just the magic for me. Right. So I, I really do, you know, part of me is that sort of data girl that goes off into the corner and wants to be quiet and analyze numbers. But really I do get a lot of energy from being around people and doing what I can to be helpful. And so I love that. I mean, I love building these relationships with people. And so over time you get to know them, not only for the work that they're doing, but you get to know a little bit about their families. And, and I just find that absolutely rewarding and making those, not only those connections, but you know, and when we get to the privilege of making investments in, in their work. So I think that's been the best part. Safe to say that you have no regrets about leaving the nonprofit sector and going to the corporate sector. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Well, Kat, I really appreciate you joining me. Um, I love learning about your background and I love learning about the, the Bosch Community Fund. I think that's a great model for a lot of companies to adopt. And so I suspect a lot of people will learn a lot from this episode. So thank you so much for joining me. 
Oh my gosh, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Social Impact World, the exclusive community for social impact leaders. To learn more, go to www.socialimpactworld.com. I'm Jeremy Brown, and thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Behind the Impact.